chapter fifteen of dr quintard chaplain c s a and second bishop of tennessee by charles todd quintard this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fifteen a long episcopate the consecration of dr quintard to the episcopate of tennessee was of peculiar significance in the history of the church in the united states the consecration took place at the first meeting of the general convention after the close of the war at that convention all doubts as to the mutual relations of the northern and southern dioceses were dispelled the latter had never been dropped from the roll of the general convention notwithstanding the fact that pending the war they had been forced by the exigencies of the case to withdraw from the northern diocese and organize the protestant episcopal church in the confederate states of america they were still regarded as constituent members of the american national church each day of the convention meeting in eighteen sixty two the southern dioceses had been called in their proper turn beginning with alabama and though absent their right to be present was never questioned still the question must have arisen in the minds of many of the southern churchmen as to how far this feeling might extend among the church people of the north with the general convention meeting in philadelphia in october came the opportunity for the church and the church people of the north to express clearly their feelings towards their southern brethren and this they did first by the cordial welcome extended to the two southern bishops present and to the clerical and lay deputies in attendance from three southern dioceses secondly by the ratification of the consecration of the right rev dr wilmer to the episcopate of alabama which had taken place in eighteen sixty two at the hands of southern bishops acting wholly independently of the church in the north and thirdly by the almost unanimous vote upon the report made to the house of deputies on the consecration of the bishop-elect of tennessee wholly ignoring the especially conspicuous official position he had held in the confederate army and the prominent part he had taken in the affairs of the church in the confederate states his consecration therefore furnished a very significant act by which to crown the work of reunion of the northern and southern dioceses the service of consecration was in dignity of ritual quite in advance of the times dr quintard prepared himself therefore by a vigil held in the church of st james the less the consecrator was the right reverend dr hopkins bishop of vermont and presiding bishop of the church in the united states five other bishops of northern dioceses united in the act of consecration as did also the right reverend francis fulford d d bishop of montreal and metropolitan of canada whose presence contributed to a growing sense of the unity of the church throughout the whole american continent in the history of the diocese of tennessee the consecration of a second bishop marked of course a distinct and important epoch that diocese had met with other losses than that of her antebellum bishop the war had swept away to a large extent the results of his work and that of his clergy all the horrors of war had been visited upon the state and diocese churches had been mutilated and destroyed and congregations had been scattered the effects of the war were very deeply impressed upon the mind of the new and young bishop in the first series of visitations made by him in his diocese a sad and laborious journey beginning in november eighteen sixty five 
the evidences of devastation were fresh and visible on every side in some places where before there were promising parishes and missions there was no fit building left standing in which services could be held only three churches in the whole diocese were uninjured and very few were fit for occupation many were in ruins the returns from two of the parishes showed similarly severe inroads upon congregations in one of these there remained sixty-five out of a hundred and forty-seven communicants reported before the war in the other ten only remained out of sixty-five previously reported the bishop never faltered as he confronted conditions which foretold the anxious care the exhausting labors the weary journeys the disappointments the fears and the griefs the coming years were to bring it was with the utmost cheerfulness that he took up the burden of the episcopate and in gathering up the disjecta membra of the church in tennessee and in strengthening the things that remained bishop quintard was a marvel in labors in journeyings and in the care of all the churches he was truly an apostle not a step behind any of the heroes of the american missionary episcopate his jurisdiction though nominally a diocese was virtually a missionary district in all respect save that it never received its due proportion of the church's funds devoted to missionary enterprises with far-sighted statesmanship dr quintard perceived in eighteen sixty five that the church's effectiveness could be enhanced by the division of the diocese of tennessee and the establishment of the sea episcopate in the three chief cities memphis nashville and knoxville and from that time on a division of the diocese that would increase the efficiency of the work of the church therein was kept constantly before the minds of the people but strange to say the very arguments used in support of the plea for the relief needed were made the excuse for not granting it it is impossible for the church to grow in such a large territory under the supervision of a single bishop let him work never so hard nor so wisely constantly pleaded the diocese of tennessee the church is not growing fast enough in the diocese of tennessee to warrant a division of that diocese and an increase of episcopal supervision therein was the invariable reply and so it was not until five years before the bishop's death not until after he had worn himself out by his efforts to perform single-handed the work of three bishops in his diocese not until after repeated illness had warned him that he must have relief that a coadjutor was elected and consecrated for him the widespread popularity of dr quintard his personal magnetism and the large-hearted charity he had manifested in time of war were not without their effect for a time upon the work he had undertaken wherever he appeared there flocked to meet him his old friends of the camp and battlefield they felt that the religion he preached having stood the test of adversity in wartime was a good religion for times of peace a good religion to rule the everyday business of life they readily yielded in large numbers to his persistent appeals to them to confess christ before men in his record of official acts published in the diocesan journal from year to year he noted such gratifying incidents as the baptism and confirmation at his hands of some of the officers and men with whom his acquaintance had begun on the battlefield or in camp in the few months that elapsed between his consecration and the meeting of his first diocesan convention 
three hundred and fourteen persons were confirmed by him in tennessee and that number was a good yearly average of his confirmations for nearly thirty-three years and his four hundred and seventy confirmations a hundred and fifty-two sermons and a hundred and twelve addresses reported to the convention in eighteen sixty seven for the first full year of his episcopate were a sample of the pace he set for himself at the beginning of his episcopate but as before the war bishop oti in an episcopate of little less than twenty-nine years discovered that there was a remarkable tendency among churchmen to move away from tennessee so it was after the war as bishop quintard was to find bishop oti confirmed more than six thousand persons in tennessee yet the diocese never numbered more than three thousand five hundred communicants before the war arrested its development many of those whom the antebellum bishop confirmed took their way like the star of empire westward and began to colonize the diocese of missouri texas and california bishop quintard by actual count confirmed more than twelve thousand persons and yet his diocese was never to the day of his death able to count six thousand communicants despite the difficulties of the field in which it was given him to labor for the upbuilding of the church the bishop was in the forefront of every movement which went on in the church in the latter part of the nineteenth century he was a pioneer in the adoption of the cathedral system in the american church he was among the first to utilize the work of the sisterhoods in the administration of diocesan charitable institutions with his refined and cultivated tastes it was natural that he should give attention to the improvement of ecclesiastical architecture in his diocese and he was a leader in the work of the church for the negro in eighteen eighty three a conference of bishops presbyters and laymen was held in sewanee to consider the relations of the church to the colored people of the south a canon was proposed for the organization of work among colored people which when it came before the general convention was known as the sewanee canon it was never adopted by the general convention but the work among the negroes in tennessee was organized in accordance with its suggestions in the list of the american episcopate bishop quintard's name is the seventy-fifth it is an unusual name especially conspicuous by beginning with an unusual letter these may seem trivial circumstances to receive mention here but the fact is that they seem significant of the striking position which the bishop held among his brethren of the peculiarities of his personality and of the attention he attracted to himself throughout the country he was as has been seen a link between the antebellum and the postbellum bishop he was likewise a link between the clergymen of the old school and those of the new it is curious to those who knew him later than eighteen seventy to see him represented in the portraits taken soon after his elevation to the episcopate wearing the bands the surviving fragment of the broad collars worn in milton's time he probably gave them up about the time of his first visit to england in eighteen sixty seven he must have been among the first in america to wear his college hood when officiating for it is related that after he had officiated on one occasion in a church in connecticut a lady was heard to exclaim in great indignation the idea of that southern bishop coming to this church and wearing a rebel flag on his back 
in sympathy with the oxford movement and the church of england he was a leader in that movement as it affected the church in america and so was called a high churchman at a time when that term was of somewhat different application from what it is now and he was then called a ritualist and was regarded as an extremist though at the present day he would be considered a very moderate ritualist he was always a welcome visitor in all parts of the country and people not only delighted to hear him preach but especially enjoyed social intercourse with him his conversation was extremely entertaining partly because of the breadth of his experiences in times of war and in times of peace as a traveller in england and as the hard-working bishop of a southern diocese but also because his talk scintillated with wit and quick repartee when some one in new york asked him why he had named a church in sewanee st paul's on the mountain he answered sewanee is cherokee indian for mother mountain and you know st paul preached on mars hill on another occasion a man was attempting to argue with him in regard to what he chose to call the use of forms in the church well said the bishop you know that when the earth was without form it was void and that is the way with many christians the bishop enjoyed a reputation as a pulpit orator that became wider than national his voice was as musical as the lute and resonant as a bugle the southern newspapers between eighteen sixty eight and eighteen seventy five praised his eloquence and noted the fact that in spite of his belonging to a school of thought not altogether popular in the south at that time people of all shades of opinion thronged the churches to hear him preach he was a ready extemporaneous speaker yet his sermons were for the most part carefully prepared and written out and delivered from the manuscript some of them became widely known through many repetitions and not a few became famous one of these had a history the bishop was as fond of telling as he was of repeating the sermon it was known as the bishop's samson sermon and was from the text i will go out as at other times and shake myself judges sixteen twenty when first delivered in one of the parishes of tennessee the bishop was informed by a disgusted hearer that it was positively indecent and not fit to be preached before any congregation consequently the sermon was retired until it was almost forgotten some time afterward however it was by accident included among sermons provided for use on one of the bishop's series of visitations and when discovered with his homiletic ammunition the bishop read it over carefully but without finding anything in it that could be characterized as indecent so he determined to try it again it made a deep and wholesome impression upon the minds of those who then heard it he preached it one sunday night in christchurch st louis and after the service a gentleman said to him bishop if you will preach that sermon here to-morrow night i will have this church full of men to hear you the sermon was accordingly preached the following night and the gentleman kept his promise the sermon was preached at trinity college port hope canada at west point before a congregation of cadets at sewanee tennessee before successive classes of students of the university of the south it was preached everywhere the bishop went usually at some one's request who had heard it before and who wanted the impression made on his mind at the first hearing renewed numerous were the letters received by the bishop telling him of hearing that sermon and of good resulting from it 
in his repeated visits to england bishop quintard enjoyed a distinction never before and rarely since accorded to any member of the american episcopate the first of these visits was made in eighteen sixty seven in order that he might be present at and participate in the meeting of the first pan-anglican or lambeth conference he attended subsequent conferences up to eighteen ninety seven a few months before his death at each of these visits he was the recipient of an unusual amount of attention from english bishops and from the english people of every rank and he revolutionized the opinions of the englishmen of that day as to america and americans the english newspapers were captivated by his powers in the pulpit one of the liverpool daily papers said that the bishop of tennessee speaks english better than an englishman and preaches with the fire and clearness of lacadere one of the leading london papers devoted two editorial columns to a description of him and said the bishop of tennessee is the first american we ever heard whose speech did not bewray him his exterior is impressive his voice strong and searching and his enunciation deliberate his well-turned sentences are like solid carved mahogany he is a type of the highest average of the american public man his sermon was in every sense sufficient strong well-knit and balanced and adequately emotional while never falling short of the full dignity of the preacher's office and evident character if the church in america has many such bishops it is indeed a living efflorescent healing branch of the great tree which according to dr quintard has never withered a day in england since the epoch of the apostles he was a guest of the bishop of london at fulham palace was present at his ordination examinations and took part with him in the ordination of twenty-five priests and nineteen deacons in the famous chapel royal whitehall at the invitation of the bishop of london he preached the first sermon at the special evening services in st paul's cathedral he officiated at the service at the laying of the cornerstone of the church of st paul old brentford the stone being laid by her royal highness mary adelaide princess of tech he laid the foundation stone of st chad's church haggiston london he was present with bishops from the far-away south sea islands from canada and elsewhere at the laying of the foundation stone of keble memorial college oxford he reopened the restored parish church of garstag he assisted the archbishop of york and preached the sermon at the consecration of the church of st michael sheffield he assisted the archbishop of york at the parish church sheffield where a class numbering six hundred was confirmed he administered the apostolic rite for the bishops of london and winchester and on the invitation of the bishops of oxford and ely took part in their lenten missions in eighteen sixty eight a second visit was made in eighteen seventy five seventy six his reception by the most reverend the archbishops the right reverend the bishops the clergy and the laity of the english church was all that could be asked on two occasions he administered the apostolic rite of confirmation for the lord bishop of london and on two occasions held confirmations at the request of the archbishop of canterbury he assisted the archbishop of york also at the confirmation of more than five hundred candidates presented in one class by the invitation of the archbishop of canterbury he participated in the opening services of the convocation of canterbury and was the first bishop of the church not a member of the convocation to be admitted to that service 
the service was held in the chapel of henry the seventh in westminster abbey he assisted at the opening service of keble college oxford the laying of the foundation stone of which he had witnessed eight years before he united with bishops of the anglican communion from england and africa in the consecration in st paul's cathedral of a bishop for asia the right reverend dr milne bishop of bombay he visited the continent also and scotland attended the church congress at stoke-upon-trent and assisted at the consecration of the cathedral of cumbrae in the diocese of argyle and the isles returning to england he was again present at the opening of the convocation of canterbury the degree of doctor of laws was conferred upon him by the university of cambridge on the occasion of this visit he was again in england in eighteen eighty one and attended by invitation the funeral of dean stanley july twenty fifth on the invitation of the queen's domestic chaplain the honourable and reverend dr wellesley he preached in the chapel royal windsor on sunday august fourteenth no american had ever previously been invited to preach in this chapel he took for his text on that occasion if thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee then how canst thou contend with horses and if in the land of peace wherein thou treadest they wearied thee then how wilt thou do in the swelling of jordan jeremiah twelve five in these three visits therefore the bishop performed every service appertaining to the episcopal office such experiences were absolutely unique for an american bishop at that time it had often been asserted that the bishop and clergy of the church in america were not permitted to officiate in the church of england these visits of the bishop not only gave him an extended acquaintance among the bishops and clergy and prominent laity of the english church but changed the relations between them and the american church so that the latter has since been held in higher regard by the church of england how much this was influential in leading up to the present amicable relations existing between england and america it is not necessary for us to inquire though doubtless such an influence might be taken into account in tracing up the history of the present anglo-american alliance in eighteen eighty seven the bishop was in england and was present by invitation of the dean of westminster in the abbey at the queen's jubilee he assisted at an anniversary service of the order of st john of jerusalem in the chapel royal savoy as a chaplain of the order he attended a meeting in the chapter house clerkenwell gate the following year as chaplain of the order he assisted at the installation of his royal highness the prince of wales now edward the seventh as grand prior of the order of st john in succession to the duke of manchester who for twenty-five years had held the office he was also in attendance in eighteen eighty eight at the lambeth conference was the guest of the archbishop at lambeth palace and assisted at the consecration of two bishops with the lord bishop of peterborough he was a presenter of one of them the rev dr thickness consecrated bishop suffragan of leicester in the diocese of peterborough End of chapter fifteen